Greetings folks, uh, Stephen Gray here, in case you hadn't noticed from the logo behind me. Um, <clears throat> and you are either watching the Stephen Gray Vision YouTube channel or you are listening to this uh, in audio on anchor.fm, which is spelled A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, and it's connections to several other uh, streaming services like, um, almost hate to mention it now, Spotify. <laughs> it's developing a colored relationship or uh, uh, reputation at the moment. Anyway, enough about that silliness. Uh, more seriously, uh, the purpose of these interviews, this channel altogether, is to share information and inspiration regarding consciousness transformation with a focus on the psychedelics in particular but the overriding vision or purpose is the this actual uh, need for a great consciousness transformation process on this planet as uh, imagine most people like you who are watching this or listening to us this would agree uh, so having said that uh, I'm very happy to have with me Christopher Solomon today. Uh, he's going to be talking about a poorly understood plant, a misunderstood plant with actually that actually has great potential that most people do not know about. And uh, I've listened to a couple of uh, other things that Christopher has done, and in fact he's spoken at our Spirit Plant Medicine Conference uh, several years ago, and he's an excellent uh, communicator and educator on this. So. Uh, I hope you will stay with us for the full hour because you're going to get an excellent bunch of information that's actually quite applicable. Applicable. So Christopher is a somatic salvia guide. He's a teacher and an, the inventor of a pipe that aids in the mindful exploration of salvia divinorum. I'm going to ask him about that, a little bit about that pipe and how to use it later on. I think it's a very useful device. Um, incorporating lessons learned directly from Salvia, and as a student of somatic psychotherapy, he's pioneering techniques to use Salvia as a therapeutic tool for guided self-healing, meditation, and introspection. Christopher lectures about the proper, intentional, and therapeutic use of Salvia, offering a blend of scientific, esoteric, and therapeutic perspectives. He also cultivates a medical um, pardon me, medicinal salvia garden for use in his practice with clients. So, uh, welcome, Christopher. Hello, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, without further ado, as the old cliche goes, uh, let's get right into it with the most basic question I can imagine asking you, which is, uh, I'm assuming that most people, probably the great majority of people who are going to watch this and or listen to it, uh, are not familiar with the kinds of uses that you're talking about with salvia at all. Uh, they may have encountered some of these extracts in a shop, you know, put it in the pipe and had a strange experience, perhaps, you know, but uh, this is a whole other use of salvia from that, for the most part, from what I can gather from what you've been sharing. So give us the basics mm -hmm. on this plant, will you? It's a very unusual plant. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, like you said, most people have um, introductory experience with salvia where they got it from a smoke shop and they loaded it in a pipe and smoked it and had a bizarre experience or sometimes it can be a scary experience if you take too much of a dose or too high of a dose of it. Um, but so salvia divinorum is um, actually a part of the mint family. And um, there are many, many types of different salvias. There's over 500 different types of salvias. Um, you know, the, the regular sage that you buy from the grocery store to eat or make tea out of, that's a salvia. Um, the white sage that one burns, that's a salvia. Um, so for those of you who are watching visually and not listening, this is a baby salvia plant right here. So here she is right here. So you can see that it looks very much like... Um, you know, if you've seen coleus, it looks like coleus, or it looks like many other types of salvias. You can see there's the diametrically opposed leaves, um, looks very much like a mint leaf. The stem is square. And um, so, so salvia divinorum, it's endemic to um, Oaxaca, to the mountain ranges outside of Oaxaca in uh, Mexico. And it's been used there for quite some time for specifically for healing physical ailments. And um, 
And the plant, which we can talk about in more detail, can be used in very many ways. Um, usually, traditionally, it was used by chewing the leaves. Many people are introduced to salvia by smoking the salvia extract. Um, so there's many different routes of administration and how one ingests salvia can have a very different effect on um, our consciousness shifting experience of it. Um, but at its most you know, basic level, salvia divinorum is um, one of the many types of salvia. And this particular one has a component in it called salvinorin A. And salvinorin A is what gives the plant the psychoactive and consciousness shifting properties. And um, you know, most people, when they do smoke salvia, they, they smoke too much. And so one of my main messages with salvia is that it can be used instead of smoking one large bowl at a time, smoke very low doses over a course of time instead of packing it all up at front. And we can get into the more details about that as well, about the benefits of doing that and why that changes the experience so dramatically. Yes, we should definitely get into that. Uh, just before we move on, uh, a little bit of, I think, interesting information, and please correct me if I didn't quite get this right. It was years ago when I came across it. If I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. the uh, psychoactive, uh, I don't even know if it's an alkaloid, whatever it is in the plant, the chemical in the plant, um, perhaps mm -hmm. uh, salvinorin A, there's no other plant has it. Isn't that correct? Is it not that unique to... Yeah. Uh, to, to salvia divinorum? It's, that is what they used to think, but ah. they've recently found there are some other, um, there's another salvia, um, uh, salvia recognita, I think it is. I, I, think, mm. I forget which salvia exactly it is that has small amounts of salvinorin in it. Um, and then apparently coleus, which is, kind of a common sort of salvia related plant as well. Coleus, they say, has salvinorin B in it. So there's salvinorin A, B, and I believe C. So when one ingests salvia, and salvia, salvinorin A, it's not an alkaloid. Um, it, it affects the kappa opioid receptors in the brain. So it's a kappa opioid agonist. And um, so it's it's very very unique in its in its uh, chemical profile it doesn't affect the serotonin receptors it's not a 5-HT2A agonist um, but so so salvinorin A is the most concentrated in salvia divinorum but um, I think they're starting to find some other plants that have some salvinorin A in it albeit a whole lot less mm. well it could just be yeah. a quirky fascination on my part but uh, you know, it's it's not in in any kind of technical sense a psychedelic, and it is close right. to unique, as you say. Um, it's very rare to find a plant with this in it, and as you say, this particular plant has way more of it than anything else. And yet, uh, in some circumstances, although you've said that it's not necessarily uh, visual per se, um, it mm -hmm. has the same potency and some of the same you know, in the, in a general non-scientific sense, some of the same effects mm -hmm. that psychedelics do, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it's the most potent naturally occurring um, hallucinogenic. I put that in quotes because, again, it's not typically hallucinogenic, but it's the most potent naturally occurring hallucinogenic substance that we know of. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Even, you know, for, for a strong DMT experience, you know, you, you might need yeah, I think like a threshold DMT experience of NNDMT, you'd need maybe, you know, five milligrams to 10 milligrams would be like threshold. But, um, you know, with, with salvinorin A, one milligram of it is a very intense experience. So it's, um, and that is why uh, dosing with salvia is such an important aspect because, um, you know, at a high dose, and, you know, when you think of high dose, people think large numbers, but, you know, we're just talking about like one milligram worth. Uh, before we get so, into that, because I do want you to go into detail about that, please. Um, uh, hmm. You haven't spoken, um, so I'm gathering about, so I'm gathering that uh, it's, um, there, it's not very toxic either, right? You know, are you familiar with the term LD50? 
Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a dose of any particular medicine or substance at which 50% of the people are going to die, right? And uh, yeah. many, many, med right. many pharmaceuticals have one, um, nicotine distinctly, alcohol, all those have, have an LD50. Is there a meaningful LD50 for salvia, salvia? I don't know exactly what the LD50 is, but I do know that when I was um, a research participant in the study that Johns Hopkins did on salvinorinae, mm -hmm. this was back in uh, 2000. Um, 18, I think it was, um, they gave me a high dose of pure vaporized salvinorin A while I was in an fMRI machine. And um, so in order to do any sort of, and so what they were telling me is that in order to do, when I say they, I mean the researchers at Johns Hopkins, so Roland Griffiths, um, they were telling me that um, in order to do any human study, you have to prove to the FDA that this is a very safe substance to take. And so back in maybe the late 2000s, um, what they did is they did an initial study on salvinorin A. And that initial study was just to prove the safety of it because they had to prove, hey, if we want to study, study the effects of this plant on people's brains, we have to first show to the FDA that it's safe. And so the way that they found the upper limit is they had the same participants come in you know, time and time again, and they just progressively gave them higher and higher doses of salvia. And it got to, and then took their vitals before and took their vitals after. And the they got to the upper echelon when essentially everyone had a high enough dose to where they thought, you know what, like everyone tapped out of the study at that point. They were like, I don't want to go any further in the study. <laughs> I can imagine um, that plant, yeah. Right, because yeah. they started to have um, scary experiences yeah. or... Um, very dissociative experiences where at a high dose of salvia, you can get taken outside of space and time and become, you know, pure energy, which if that happens quickly can be jarring, but um, at the low doses, it's much more embodying. So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. sorry, that wasn't one of my <laughs> gestures. Oh no, that's fine. I thought you were going to say something. Else. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, uh, I'd like to, you know, I don't know what order to go through this all in, but, uh, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that issue because, um, you know, as you know, you know, much better than I actually, but I know as well something about this, that the reason, one of the reasons that Salvia hasn't taken a, a wider, you know, or a larger role, you know, in the, in the mm. so-called psychedelic pantheon or cultural mm. use as a spiritual healing medicine is because most people haven't encountered it in these ways. And so they have these right. really weird experiences oftentimes and weird like no other plant, right? I mean, I've heard people mm. say, I've read up some of the testimonials on, is that still around sagewisdom.org? Daniel, what's his yeah. name? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Daniel Siebert's website. Mm -hmm. What's his last name again? Daniel Siebert. Daniel Siebert was actually the person who first um, isolated salvinorin A and found out that it was salvinorin A that had the psychoactive properties. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, some of the, I think it was there where I saw the testimonials where people were saying things like they turned into a chair or something like that, right? And, and Siebert himself, <laughs> as he was, as he was, um, uh, finding the dosage that was going to get him across the threshold at the beginning of that process that you just mentioned. I believe on the site, there's this, it's been a long time since I read it, maybe 20 years, but my vague memory is that something like he he said, he was standing in uh, a room with his eyes open. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. he, after a while, he clued in that it wasn't his room. It was his, I think, grandmother's room or something, right? And mm. this was, I believe, mm. with his eyes open, right? Mm. Um, mm. So, so not only, you know, it seems like this plant not only can, you know, take you beyond time and space, as it were, you know, ego dissolving, dissolving, etc., but it can put you into mm. some really strange places that don't seem to have anything to do with healing or spiritual work. Right. Yeah. And that's what, why most people, they have these bizarre experiences and they think, that was intense. That was crazy. But at the end of the day, I think that's completely meaningless and there's no point to this. And, um, and the thing is, there can be, um, if you have a high dose of salvia, it can actually be physiologically uncomfortable. Mm. Um, you can, you know, people talk about the feeling like their body is becoming unzipped or people like 
getting torn into two different dimensions or um, there's this very strong pushing and pulling feeling that can happen on the body. And um, so at, at these at these high doses, it's not just it's not just um, a radical change in one's visual perception per se. It's also a radical change in one's perception of what one thinks one's body is. And, and that's how one becomes inanimate objects and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then at the low doses, um, it's absolutely fantastic for meditation and finding a place of stillness and deep calm within, which, so what makes all the interesting is that it's the same substance, but depending on the dose, you can, it can might as well be a completely different substance. Um, you know, if you smoke a big dose, you feel like you're getting pulled into another dimension. But if you smoke a small dose, you feel as if the mind, your chattering mind begins to slow down. And you just feel as if being very still and very quiet is an extremely comfortable therapeutic healing experience. Um, so, and that's why it works so well actually as a somatic medicine. And that's why I incorporate somatic psychotherapy with Salvia when I work with my clients. So, you know, I teach people about salvia, but then I also guide them on salvia journeys where, you know, and since COVID started, I've actually moved my practice to doing all my sessions on Zoom. So I do salvia sessions with people remotely via Zoom, which initially people, when I, when I used to see people in person before COVID happened, I had people emailing me all the time and being like, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in Australia or I'm in London or something like that. And I really want to have a salvia session. Um, will you do it with me, you know, remotely? And I thought, no, that doesn't seem like a very wise move to do, you know, a medicine work with people remotely. Mm -hmm. And um, I think COVID started and there was this one person that he was very adamant about trying it. And he was like, I really want to try it remotely with you. And I did it with him remotely and it ended up working out extremely well. And then I did it with another person on Zoom. And funnily enough, I've actually come to find that doing sessions with people via um, Zoom, Salvia sessions with people via Zoom, they're actually going deeper and having more benefits from the Salvia sessions than when I was doing it in person with them. And Okay, mm -hmm. so um, let me ask you more about that then. That's very, very interesting because the word mm -hmm. somatic you know, implies something to do with the body right so right you know i would have imagined you might have been doing body work or something like that so maybe you could talk a little bit about what the, the mechanics of what you're doing when you're guiding people how are you doing this actually maybe we should step mm. back a little bit more and just go through you know the the whole the whole way that you work best practices um you've mentioned dosage mm. but you um maybe this is also the time to talk about how you can control that and this is where your pipe would come in of course right so, you know, how right. the method of intake, you know, we're talking smoking, but you want to control that dosage and, um, you know, and then um, set, we know, basically you're there to heal or whatever and the setting, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, then what do you do? How do you work with the person when you're on Zoom? Yeah, yeah. All good questions. So the pipe, it's um, and actually here is the pipe right here. So it is a five bold water pipe. And um, so there's this little jar that you put a little bit of water in. There's a silicone downstem, and you pop that in here. And so the way I came up with the pipe actually was um, I was experimenting with very low doses of salvia myself um, because I wanted to see what is the minimum minimal amount of salvia that I need in order to experience anything at all. And so I started working with, um, you know, these, there's different strengths, salvia extracts. And so I started working with literally just one flake of salvia. And so I'd smoke that and say, okay, that's not enough to do anything. And then I'd try two flakes and, you know, I got to like the third flake and I'd realize, okay, that's, I'm starting to feel something. And I'd noticed as I continued to work with these repeated small doses that um, the salvia experience started to open itself up to me in a very gentle, welcoming, soothing, supporting, nourishing way. But the problem I ran into is that as I was smoking these multiple bowls in a row um, with a little bit of time between each one, what would happen was 
you know, I'd be slightly in a cell altered space and then I'd have to reload another bowl while I was in an altered space. And um, that's just not the best thing for harm reduction. And also I'd have to break my concentration, break my mindfulness, break focusing my breath and my body. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if there was a pipe with multiple bowls on the pipe that I could just preload with the doses that I know I'm going to use. And then I don't have to reload the bowl mid journey. And so I was looking around for it and it didn't exist. And so figured I might as well make it. And so this is, it's creatively titled the Salvia Pipe. You can get it on salviapipe.com. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can see that these five bowls and, and what you do is you would just put a tiny amount of salvia in each one. And then um, it's a water pipe. So you smoke that bowl. And then when you're ready to move on to the next one, what you do is you just pick it up and rotate the bowl like that. Ooh, nice. and then you move on like that. Yeah, nice. And then you can smoke, right. yeah, smoke so, that one. So this, um, and then oh yeah, pardon me. Didn't mean to interrupt there. Uh, uh, this, um, this is a really useful device, and I have a couple of questions about it. First of all, I want to say to our audience, uh, uh, this is not a promotional video. This is an educational interview. Um, but right. this seems to be, uh, in my mind, and don't worry, I don't get any commission from this, but uh, uh, a very useful device. So on that note, let me ask you, uh, you can you ship over borders? Yes. Yes. And how much do you charge for this device? Uh, the pipe is $60. 60 not, us dollars not bad yeah okay cool um so i make i make everyone myself by hand as well and so it's it's all custom done and, and made right here at home excellent yeah um no middleman as it were um so right. now this dosage issue though strikes me as very important i have a couple of questions about that one is uh you know for the people that might be watching this, and I'm even thinking of myself, you know, like maybe someday I'll order one of these pipes. And then, um, you know, uh, our, uh, I don't know what, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I don't know. I haven't checked in years if people have these still in stores, but, um, you know, mm -hmm. what should I be looking for? How do I control the dosage? How do I titrate properly? You know, you said a little bit, but would you not want to be right. pretty specific about that? Like, for example, would I... If I are they still doing the, like these five times, ten times, twenty times extract mm -hmm. things? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, how they would, are? Give me make it detailed for us, please. Yeah, great. So I when I work with clients, um, I use five x extract, and um, so for those of you who don't know what that actually means, um, so plain salvia leaf. So what you could do like with, with this salvia plant right here, and again, this is just a baby, so she's going to get a whole lot bigger. It can get to about 10 feet tall and um, they, they can really become extremely large plants. And um, so just plain leaf like this picked and dried, you can smoke the plain leaf. I guess that would be considered one X. Mm. Um, and then 5x would, would mean you take five grams worth of salvia and you extract the salvinorna out of that. And then you re-infuse the salvinorna back on one gram of leaf. So you're essentially taking five grams worth of leaf and um, infusing it onto one gram's worth of leaf. You know, 10x is you would take 10 grams of plain leaf get the salvinorna out of it, put it back in one gram of leaf. And it goes all the way up to like 400X. I think 400X is pure crystal salvinorna. I don't really go uh, much higher than 5X ever because it's not necessary. Um, I, I really think places who are selling like 60X and 100X, um, you know, they're, they're just marking up the price a whole lot higher and um, it's it's really really not necessary because you can have a strong experience using plain leaf mm -hmm. now the one thing that's tricky is dosing with plain leaf um so i prefer using standardized extract because i know how much each dose takes so the thing with salvia leaves are each salvia leaf has the same amount of salvinorna on it after it's a certain size so you can have a salvia leaf that's this big like an, let's say for those who are listening, you can have a salvia leaf that's two inches big, or you can have a salvia leaf that's four inches big. And each one is going to have the same amount of salvinorin A on it. 
So if you're smoking plain leaf and you smoking crushed plain leaf, you don't really know if you're smoking the plain leaf that came from a small leaf or a big leaf. And so it, it makes the consistency a little bit tricky to kind of figure out. Um, and when you don't know what you're getting, especially with entheogenic substances, it can add a sense of discomfort, you know, like a little bit of trepidation. And, mm. you know, before one goes on to any sort of like entheogenic journey, there's always a little bit of trepidation or generally there should be unless mm. you're just, and if there's not, then soon you're going to find out that you can get your ass handed to you. So approaching these things in a humble manner is very important. Um, but so the reason why I like to use standardized extract is because it's like the same across the board every time. And so I like to use 5X with my clients. Um, and then usually if, if one really wants a number, like if you want it like a volume to go by, um, I would say 1 64th of a teaspoon wow. of 5X. That's yeah. a refined measurement, yeah. So in that bowl yeah. there, if you were putting some into that bowl, I mean, just as a rough thing for you know somebody, it's like it's just a very small amount in the bottom of one of those bowls to start with. Yeah, like salvia extract, they come in like little individual flakes. It looks like they're they're mm. flakes. Yeah. So what I recommend people do is, um, you know, they start with just three flakes and put three flakes in a bowl, maybe as many flakes that would take up the um, area of, say, a, a, the head of a match. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the, there's this big, um, one of the many, many misconceptions online is people say online, like, you know, you have to, you have to smoke your salvia with a torch lighter, which is not true. You can use a regular big lighter and that's fine. Um, and they say, you have to smoke it all in one go. And there's so like the information out there is really done a disservice to people because it's told people you got to rush, rush, rush. You got to hit it really big. And then otherwise you like, you'll miss your window. And that's actually not the case at all. So what you can do is you can smoke enough to actually not feel anything. And um, so when I work with clients, you know, each bowl in and of itself is enough to maybe feel a little bit of something. Mm. And so we'll, they'll smoke the first bowl and, you know, we'll talk about the intentions beforehand and what they want to get out of it and how to engage with the plant and, as one continues to grow and develop a relationship with salvia, um, one can take more of an active approach and one can take more of an engaged approach to the plant. Um, by that, I mean, you can come to it with specific questions. You can send the energy that arises in your body during a salvia experience. You can send that energy to different parts in your body if they need healing um, or if there's like, if you have migraine or um, it's very, very good for um, indigestion, stomach cramps, um, thing, um, menstrual cramps as well. So you can send the energy to various parts in your body if, if you need to uh, um, engage with your body on the front of healing on a physiological level. But initially, I recommend to people to just take a passive approach. So active approach is you're engaging with the plant, you're making requests of it, and you're working with it in real time. The passive approach would be you smoke a little bit of salvia and then you sit there with a sense of open-ended dynamic just tracking and awareness and seeing what's arising as it's arising um, because you know initially you're getting to know salvia and salvia is also getting to know you salvia is definitely one of those plants where it works best if you use it as a practice over time instead of going to it for like one healing thing. You can say, oh, well, you know, with ayahuasca people go, they have this one ayahuasca experience and boom, it just everything falls into place after that. And sometimes that's all they need. Um, that can be the case with salvia, but with salvia, it's um, going slow over time and um, sort of as you get to learn the plant and the various ways that it can show up in you, Salvia sort of gets to know you and all the various ways that you can show up for it. Even within a session, 
someone can have, you know, so we smoke five bowls over the course of a session, even each bowl in and of itself can be a little bit different between the two. So the first bowl, they might experience a sense of calmness and a sense of um, comfortable heaviness coming over their body. Um, but then the second bowl, they might experience random memories and thoughts coming up. Um, then the third bowl, they might experience one part of their body becoming um, very activated, but not in an agitated way, usually in a way where one can feel that there's a specific sort of energy congregating in different parts of one's body. And this is where the somatic work comes into play, where you can actually have a dialogue with different parts of your body. So it's not somatic work where I'm the practitioner doing hands-on or making your body do any movements or anything like that. The somatic part comes into play because at a low dose with salvia, one can achieve such a place of stillness and quietness within and the language centers of one's brain begin to kind of shut down in a way. So one actually starts to think archetypally and symbolically, and one starts to be able to communicate through one's body in a felt sense, almost like telepathically communicating with different parts of your body. Mm. Um, and it's at, when you're in that stage that one can bring in, you know, internal parts work. Um, very often people can have um, regression to childhood memories um, or a very young part of themselves shows up and then they can have a dialogue with that young part of themselves. Um, I mean, there's so many, so many ways that salvia shows up differently within different people. And, um, but I'd say the, if I were to make like an overarching generalized statement about some benefits that people get from low doses of salvia, it's very good for people if they have levels of high anxiety, um, if they are feeling depressed, um, and if they're feeling as if things in their life feel kind of scattered. Salvia does a really, really excellent job of, um, one can actually feel Salvia taking the disparate, disconnected parts of one's life and bringing it all back together and bringing it into a central focus point within one's body. So that's what I mean when I say it's embodying. You can actually physically feel a sense of coming home to a safe, comfortable, warm, soothing place that lives within one's own body. So I've kind of fallen behind on the number of questions that have come to mind while you were saying that. Very interesting. Thank you. Um, so uh, let's see if we can plow through a couple more here. One of them is just very specific logistical question um, mm -hmm. uh, about the use of the five bowl pipe. Uh, mm. um, it, the, the, when you smoke it, the experience is very brief, right? So what's the actual timeline? If I have the one bowl and then I'm going to smoke mm. the second bowl, are we talking like two minutes apart or what, what's, what's, the, what's the deal with that? I like that? to wait. Yeah. Good question. I like to wait at least five minutes. Mm. Um, because, and this is where the guidance and doing a session with me can be helpful or with, um, because managing expectations is, is quite interesting because people who have had experiences with MDMA or DMT or mushrooms or LSD, they, they go into the salvia experience looking for a, a DMT-like experience. They're looking for colors. They're looking for extreme insight and aha moments. Um, and so they're so busy looking for that, that they're actually missing out what's happening. And generally what happens at these light doses is you're no longer stressed. Your mind isn't chattering at hundred miles an hour. Your breathing becomes effortless. You feel comfortable and safe and warm, but that's not fancy colors and light and fireworks and stuff like that. And so people uh, can overlook what's actually happening while it's happening. So many people, you know, they'll, they'll be, you know, two minutes into the experience and they'll say, oh, I don't really think that's any, that anything's mm -hmm. happening. And um, so then, you know, they smoke more and then, oops, I've smoked a little bit too much, you know? Um, so the big thing is going at your own pace and actually going slower than you think you need to go. So between the first two bowls, I always, always wait at least five minutes. Good one. Um, yeah. 
So yeah. um, uh, another kind of logistical or applicable question, and that's kind of my focus a lot with these interviews anyway, is like, what can people take away from this and apply in their own lives? So here right. I am in Vancouver, British Columbia. Maybe I get my hands on your uh, salvia pipe. Um, yeah. uh, how reliable, maybe this is the question I would ask, like if I can find some in a store, this is not really a regulated market, right? How do I know that if it says five times, it's five times, or that they haven't adulterated it? Or is there any kind of reliability about getting one's hands on the product, the plant? Well, I mean, I grow and make all my own salvia extract. And so I like using my own medicine that I make. Um, it's you know, I, I can't really speak to other vendors and reliability. I've I've never I've never bought something that wasn't salvia that was sold as salvia. Mm -hmm. You know, generally when one buys salvia, when it's, as I mean, in my personal experience, one's pr probably pretty much going to get salvia. Hmm. Um, I've I've noticed that the condition that the plant is grown in can sometimes come through in the felt experience of the plant. There was this one particular salvia that I, this brand of salvia, and I don't remember what it was now because it was quite a few years ago, but I smoked it. And as soon as I smoked it, I just felt like this sadness coming into my body. Mm. And I was just like, wow, you know, this, I can, I could just tell that the salvia wasn't grown in a good environment. It might've been grown purely for the sake of just, you know, growing a lot of it in an industrial manner and maybe with artificial lights and pesticides and, and who knows what else, you know. Um, so we know, know that there's... about cannabis as well. This is a mm -hmm. commonly held view with cannabis as well, that mm. the grower's uh, attitude of devotion, love, treating it as a sacred plant. Uh, some growers say mm -hmm. that the feedback they get is very much that like that you know that it makes a huge difference people will say to them wow this is really different from the stuff that i usually get on the you know on the street yeah. or whatever yeah yeah so that's right. re i'm really glad yeah. you shared that yeah uh, now uh, now that i've interrupted you anyway um uh still we're talking about you know how to work with this plant best practices and so on mm -hmm. uh w with these more gentle low dose approaches um i gather that you think people could do this by themselves, but you wouldn't recommend it without at least a sitter. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Why? Um, and the, re the reason why is because um, if one does have a little bit too high of a dose, which again can be easy to do, um, people can get up and start walking around without really realizing that they're walking around. Salvia is such, at a higher dose, has such a there is such an objective nature to the shift in one's consciousness that one can sometimes actually think that, well, my consciousness has just changed so much and it's just because that's what's happened. It's not because I've smoked salvia. Hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I've, you know I've, I've never had an LSD experience and thought that the visions I was seeing was from anything other than the LSD. Um, so, but with salvia, it, it's such a, it's such a visceral change in one's consciousness that sometimes people think, oh, if I just get up and leave this room, then the experience will end. Hmm. Um, there can be a very, you can think, okay, well, I'm, the universe or the world has changed in this room right now, but I'm sure in the next room, it's back to normal. There's, there's this interesting locality thing that comes up and you think, okay, well, if I can just get up and walk there. But the problem is at a higher dose, um, one's motor coordination is compromised. Um, one's, you know, and speech is compromised. So you can get up and you can like trip and hit your head on the side of a table. Um, so it's just best to have someone there and, and until you learn what your own proper dosage is as well. That's another thing when I, I do a session with people is part of the first session that we have together is just helping you figure out what the right dosage is for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people are more sensitive, other people are hard heads. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if someone doesn't want to you know, smoke five bowls, they don't have to smoke five bowls. I'm, I'm really not dogmatic about the way I work. Um, if someone gets three bowls in and they say, you know what, I think, I think that's good for now. I'm like, okay, great. 
you know, it, it, this is your experience. This is this is your journey. You're the one that knows yourself more than anything else. You're the one that knows what you're experiencing more than I do. So, you know, I'm not going to be like a pushy jerk and say, no, you have to finish five bowls or else. Um, it's, it's very much about helping you discover Salvia itself so that in the long run, you can have a long-term relationship with Salvia. Many people find salvia very useful for insomnia, for example. Mm -hmm. And you know, they can't have a session with me randomly at 3 a.m. if you know if, if they can't sleep. And so what I like to do is you know teach a man to fish type thing, just teach you how to engage with salvia and how to use it for one's benefit and what sort of things to come to salvia for as well. So you so can use it um, quite frequently with no downside. There's no addictive aspect of it. Or what about tolerance? Uh, I mean, would you, can people use it? Like you, know, you said for insomnia, could you actually use it every night for insomnia? With tolerance, salvia is interesting actually because there's reverse tolerance with salvia. So you wow. need less of it over time. Oh. So you be, and there's a few reasons for this. One is it creates neurogenesis of our kappa opioid receptors in our brain. And so there's actually more receptors available in order to take up the salvinorin A once you smoke it. But then also there's um, a felt somatic sense of learning that happens. And when, when on a cellular level, there's cellular learning that happens. And one learns what the salvia state feels like, and one can become very sensitized to it. So, you know, you know, I'll have a tiny amount of salvia, and I'll feel that more than someone who's never had salvia before. Very interesting. Um, I've heard that about uh, ayahuasca as well, with the ayahuasca arrows are doing it like 10 times a month. They hardly need any to mm -hmm. get there. And now that right. I've interrupted you again, <laughs> another question kind of related to that uh, is that, uh, you know, you've spoken about um, uh, this plant working in a very different way than, well, in, in some regards, a, a different way than, say, other psychedelics. Oh, yes. So I mm -hmm. want to ask you a question, but I also want to uh, share something with people, with you, too, that I think you'll relate to, which is I re mm -hmm. just recently did an interview with Jeremy Narby. And what you said a little while ago was something I really liked about how you know, people are kind of looking for the bright lights and the bells and the whistles and all that stuff and missing what's mm -hmm. really going on. Well, Jeremy talks mm -hmm. about that. Uh, I mean, Jeremy has spent 35 years working with people like the Ashaninka in uh, Peru or whatever that were somewhere in South America and, and being around the people all the time. In fact, his most recent book, Plant Teachers, is, is more or less co-written with uh, uh, an ayahuasca shaman from down there. And uh, basically what they're saying is that um, the, these bright lights and stuff is a distraction uh, and that, um, the, the, in fact, the vine itself, don't want to just go too far away here, of course, but the vine itself, even without a DMT-containing plant, is referred to as a plant teacher, as a teacher, as a healer, as a guide. Uh, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's slower. There's not as, nearly as much visual stuff. So I re I'm really glad that you're bringing that out about salvia, you know, that it's coming in in this gentle way. And so the question that I want to ask you about that is, is if you could elaborate a little bit more on how, well, you actually personified her or it a little while ago, saying that she or it is getting to know you. So you've actually encountered uh, like something that you might call the spirit of salvia, correct? And, and so what is, how is salvia actually working with people, I guess, is the question I want to ask. Mm, mm. In, yeah. in, a, in a spiritual so, healing, you know, kind of way, uh, mental way, whatever. Yeah, right, right. So one thing that many people experience at these low doses with salvia is they'll, like I was saying, they'll initially feel the sense of like calm coming over them. They'll feel someone said it felt like a weighted blanket was on him. Um, but so yes, there's the physiological comfortable feelings of being, you know, feeling like you're in a warm, safe space. But one aspect of as well is there's the sense of a very profound felt sense of salvia witnessing one. Salvia observing one. And with that, there's a very strong sense of 
that feels like it comes from this other entity, the sense of empathetic understanding. Um, I was working with someone recently and, you know, he had a lot of sadness come up and he felt the sadness in his heart and it was very palpable. And what he felt at the same time though, was Salvia was witnessing that sadness with him. Mm. And Salvia just said to him, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and it was, and you know, he was just so moved and he was just like, this is the first time I've actually ever had the felt experience of something understanding the hurt that's in my heart. Mm. And there was just this beautiful caring witnessing that he experienced. Um, and then with that, so, you know, after Salvia witnessed the hurt in his heart, then he just physically felt her wrapping around it, keeping him safe, um, making, because there was also, and this is where the parts work came into play as well, because there were various, um, there was a sense of various other parts of his historical self in hip, inhabiting other parts of his body. So there was the side to himself that thought he had to really push himself hard all the time. Because mm. um, it, it's just, because if you, as soon as you stop going, and as soon as you stop achieving, then, you know, everything's going to fall apart, you know, so there was this extremely vigilant part of himself. Um, and then there was the sad part in his heart. And then there was another part of himself that just kind of wanted to like, let go and have fun. And so all of these parts were there together. And he could tell how they were energetically re residing in different parts in his body. Um, but before he could actually have an open dialogue and communication with them, for him, he first needed the sadness in his heart to be witnessed. And then he needed, after it was witnessed, for it to be made safe and protected. So it's almost like Salvia was like weaving this, he said it felt like a mix of like a, a net or magnetic lines going around his heart, keeping it safe and keeping the inner child that was within his heart safe. And then once that protection was there, and once he felt as if he had Salvia there with him by his side, then he could have a dialogue with the part of himself that was hypervigilant. And then he could have a dialogue with a part of himself that was, um, you know, just wanting to like kick back and relax and have fun and not think about tomorrow. And um, so, and because really at the end of the day, all of this work, a lot of this medicine work is just you getting information about yourself. And it's, it's information gathering, it's, it's learning that, you know, that's where the wisdom comes from. And the insights are essentially you learning information about yourself. And with Salvia, this information can come from not your thinking mind, because again, with Salvia, that part shuts down, it comes from your body. And it comes from this deeper place that has a lot of inherent wisdom in it. God, I got so um, many questions for you. Um, don't want to get distracted too much. But uh, when you say the thinking part, uh, without going into it particularly, would, uh, are you aware, would you call that the default mode network that they talk about with, say, psilocybin, that certain part of your brain that's like that, that sort of the thinking language part quiets down and allows for uh, connections uh, in other parts of the brain? And so um, uh, is that what you're talking about? And also, has anyone, I kind of doubt it, but it'd be interesting to know from you, uh, has anyone done that kind of uh, MRI, you know, uh, imaging, you know, the, the way they have? You've, have you seen those, you know, drawings or whatever with uh, the brain, mm. with psilocybin and how it lit up all these connections in different parts of the brain? Has anyone done anything yeah. like that with salvia? Um, Johns Hopkins has, they did, and that was again the part of the study that I was involved in. They, they took, um, I think it was 12 participants, and um, they gave us all fMRIs. And those results were just released some, some months ago. And, you know, I, I tried to read the results, but it was quite technical. And um, so they, they did mention the default mode network, and they did mention that it has a similar effect on the default mode network as, say, psilocybin would. Um, but they also spoke about these three other types of brain connections that happen and how it alters each one. Um, 
So, you know, I, I read their results and even after reading their results, I was like, mm, this still doesn't quite get explained exactly what's mm. going on. Um, mm. So, you know, with the default mode network, it's more it's more like this, you know, automatic thing that's this, this well-worn rut that's just going over and over again. Um, but so that part of the brain shuts down, but also the part of the brain that shuts down is the ability to actually even verbalize and speak just physically speaking becomes difficult mm -hmm. um so what about remembering it, afterward like the insights that you've received or whatever yeah that, that's a good point um at higher doses salvia is definitely can be quite a profound amnesia you can forget things pretty quickly um like it, it can fade a lot like a dream mm. and um but this is actually something that that's that's quite important as well in that if, if we are only going to rely on our ability to remember what happened to be the source of our healing, then as soon as we forget something, you know, you, you might have a profound experience, but then when you forget it, you know, kind of like goes into the ether and you're like, well, did it really happen then, you know? Um, but with Salvia, I like to actually say to people, don't try to remember what happened. Um, you can if you want, but don't put your energy there just put your energy on focusing what's happening while it's happening. Because again, the healing is not coming from your brain's ability to remember something. The healing is coming on a deep somatic cellular level. Mm -hmm. So when you're having these healing experiences or these meditative sessions on salvia, you know, people think, well, oh, should I be doing something? Should I be doing something more? Um, and it's just like, no, just focus on what's happening. Focus on the feeling of focus on the feeling of lightnessness. When last did you feel like you were floating weightless in space with not a care in the world and feeling warm and safe? It's in those experiences right there that that's where the healing resides. Um, I think it's similar to how people who, same way that people want these big, you know, colorful experiences on ayahuasca or things like that, people also really want a cool story to tell. They're like, oh, I wanted to like, you know, then like the, you know, the, the Jaguar came to me and then the fox spoke to me and, <laughs> yeah, and all these things happen. They want to, yeah. they want to come back with this great epic tale, yeah. you know, and Salvia is just like, that's not important really. Like what's important is being with the healing presence while you're there Beautiful. and getting the healing in real time. And that's, what's going to stick. And then you don't have to rely on your memory or you don't have to rely on your storytelling abilities. And as well, when you're trying to like remember everything to like tell a good story about something, you're kind of missing, you're not focusing on the healing that's happening. You're it's freezing it too. Right? You're freezing mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, now you, you spoke a while ago about how uh, the learning works in symbolic ways oftentimes, but you've also said elsewhere not in this interview yet, uh, that she can be very direct, or actually you did mention it once or twice, but um, she can actually, mm. oh, I don't know if you call her she, she'll call it she or not, but I'll, I'll say she, I kind of like the sounds of that. Um, she can be quite direct too, right? And she has been that way with you personally, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, she, she, or, and I've, I've met various genders, you know, he's, him's, um hers you know little children old men um, them you know salvia went up to me them exactly is it's it's, it's shown up in in multiple different ways um but salvia definitely doesn't mince around you know there's a very pragmatic approach to salvia um just straight to the point cuts through all the bullshit um and you know one thing that happens as well with salvia is it can actually it takes away our ability to feel specific emotions as well. There, there can be an emotional muting effect, which makes it really good for trauma work as well. So, you know, if I'm working with someone and they want to revisit a painful memory, salvia can kind of, when you're on the effects of salvia, you don't feel so intrinsically tied to your emotions anymore. Mm. Um, and so you can remember a painful memory and actually what it does is it gives you the opportunity to sever the connection let's say there's let's say there's someone that you just really can't stand for example let's say someone who's like uh, you know an asshole to you in your life and every time you think about them you get furious and you get angry 
And so, and that's just, and that becomes your default mode network. You know, you think about someone, your heart rate increases and you get angry. And then before you know it, you're having this long made up conversation with them and it's taking you out of the present moment. But with Salvia, what you can do is you can bring these same memories to mind. You can recall them and there can be the severing of the connection. So, um, you know, I, I was working someone with someone actually just a few weeks ago and um, uh, has had a lot of anxiety in his chest. And so when there's anxiety in his chest, there's the physiological feeling of tightness in the chest. And so every time he would become aware of the tightness in his chest, he would then, you know, get into a cold sweat and his panic responses would get even more, you know, because he's like, oh, crap, here's this feeling in my chest and I know what that means. But then on Salvia, he still felt the tightness in his chest, mm -hmm. but it didn't cascade off into all the other effects. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and Salvia said to him, you can feel tightness in your chest, but it doesn't mean that you have to have the rest of these other reactions. Very interesting. And yeah. so, yeah, there, there can be a, a decoupling that happens. Well, thanks for sharing that. That is really interesting to me. You know, it reminds me a little bit uh, in a different way, of course, to the way that um, uh, people talk about how MDMA works with PTSD, where although mm. the, perhaps the big biggest difference is that it doesn't just shut down the the fear factor in that case it's specific it, it tends to shut down the fear associated with bringing those um you know past tra traumatic memories uh, up into consciousness but it also adds in compassion uh is you know and right. i've you know i don't know if you've experienced mdma but i've found that too um so that's mm. an interesting one but yes being able to take a clear look at it that's great and if you don't mind, I'd like to make a comment, too, about something you said a little while ago, which I think is actually really important going forward. Uh, I've talked mm. to Bruce Damer about this one, and you use this word parts, and Bruce has used the word parts. And he he, mm -hmm. Bruce, uh, the way Bruce talks about it is he says this is actually kind of a revolutionary thing, uh, uh, you know, in our species, that we're actually coming to recognize that uh, the trauma that we have um, that gets in the way and screws things up, you know, for ourselves and the people around us, is these parts, you know, and you mentioned that they have, they're, you know, they're related to the past, you know, they're, they're both mental and held in the physical body. So I just want to say that I think that's really wonderful that uh, you're addressing this and showing how Salvia can show you that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. mm. There's yeah, no definitely. question there, but say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as well as being able to, you know, discern these, you know, individuated parts within us, one thing that Salvia is very useful for as well is, um, and very, very early on, sometimes even just on the second bowl, so only like 10 minutes into a session, making us feel much bigger. Hmm. And so what happens is our energetic, you know, the, the boundaries of our physical body kind of uh, cease to be there in a way and if one feels like there's a big emotion, like let's say anger, which is like a big emotion, can feel like it takes up a lot of space in one's body. With salvia, what happens though, is one can feel much, much bigger. And if you really sit there on a low dose of salvia, meditating with your eyes closed in stillness and in silence, one can feel comfortably infinitely large. One just feels extremely big. Mm. So that can be very empowering for some people, especially if they have felt sort of contracted and small mm -hmm. their entire life, to feel this bigness. But what's nice about it is it's not bigness where it's a sense of like cockiness and pride bigness. It's, it's such a tangible physical feeling of bigness that any other emotions that we're feeling, such as fear or anxiety or anything like that, by comparison, feel a lot smaller. And so it's not so much about taking one's trauma and making it smaller. It's by recognizing the largeness of our own beings and seeing how in relation to the largeness of our psyche, whatever trauma we have doesn't actually take up as much room as we think it might. Very so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It gives us a sense of perspective. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. And this has been, I think, fascinating. And as I think I've said earlier in this conversation or this interview, uh, uh, I, I want these interviews to be useful for people. And my mm -hmm. sense is that I agree with you. Uh, 
from the way you're advocating for and educating about this plant is that this plant needs to be uh, it can be and could be of great benefit to take a much larger role in society. Uh, and I'm sure you would mm-hmm. more than agree with that. Uh, and uh, But maybe you could just sum up with, you know, how you see Salvia's development in the culture. Right, right. Yeah, this is a very good question because it's... Because of the importance of proper dosing, and because of the fact that it's not necessarily recreational, um, it can you know, even after I've had a very pleasant salvia experience, there's nothing that makes you want to go back to it, which mm. is interesting. Um, which you know ties into the earlier question you said about like addiction. There's no one gets addicted to salvia because even if it's even if one has a, you know I can be sitting there meditating, I can have a wonderful salvia meditation session. And then after it fades away, there's, you know, there's no hankering to come back and do it again. And that's why more than the other plants or more than the other medicines, I feel it, it is a practice. You kind of have to make yourself do it. Um, and so, you know, f- for this re- reason, people aren't flocking to salvia. And, um, you know, it's... Because... The salvia experience itself, when you meditate with it and do it at these low doses, is such a personal, private, internal experience. Um, you know, I, I don't see like huge salvia centers opening up and stuff like that, or large salvia group retreats, because you know people really just want to go within and they want to be still and they want to be quiet. So there's no pomp and circumstance. You know, there's no singing and dancing. There's no Icaros. Um, traditionally in the Mazatecs, they do sing and pray with it. Um, Generally speaking, I've found for most people it lends itself much well to using it as a meditative part. Mm -hmm. Um, But because there's this learning curve, um, once one knows how to use salvia, then then one's golden, then one's good, you know? But um, it's, it's tricky to just say, all right, everyone smoke salvia. You know, you can't just make like a a blanket recommendation like that. So, you know, I definitely do think it would be very helpful if a lot of people could get a salvia practice going in their life. Um, But, you know, one just needs that initial teaching, that initial help, that initial guidance. And then after that, one can, you know, be on one's way. And, you know, some people, you know, they use, you know, I use salvia as needed. because people say like, well, how often should I smoke salvia? You know, like, or do you smoke salvia every day? Um, so I find myself using it when I'm feel like, feeling like I'm getting sick. It boosts one's immune system incredibly well, better than anything I've found. I actually haven't used an antibiotic in about 10 years because I just, every time I feel like I'm getting sick, I'll smoke some salvia and it just boosts, one, boosts one's immune system. And that's because the kappa opioid receptor system is intrinsically tied to our immune system. And um, with, from it has food poisoning as well, it's very, very good at just getting rid of the, the stomach issues from food poisoning. So if I'm getting sick, I'll use salvia. Um, I call salvia the great neutralizer because if you're feeling like kind of agitated and high and manic and a little bit anxious, salvia will kind of like bring you down to a nice stable baseline. But if you're feeling very low down and lethargic and depressed, salvia will bring you up. So if you're up, it'll bring you down. If you're down, it'll bring you up. And um, it's, um, and this is, this is where the intuitive learning comes into play as well. People, after they learn how to work with salvia, intuitively know, okay, this is something I can go to salvia for. And one kind of gets in one's own rhythm, one gets in one's own groove. And again, that's why I say it's a very relational aspect of the, of the plant, where it's, um, it's, it becomes just a personal, a personal journey that you're on with for um, yeah. years over time. Wonderful. Okay, well, um, Christopher, uh, I feel like you've made an excellent case for this plant. And I really hope that um, enough people are influenced by your work uh, and your education to see this plant uh, it be a helper. It's a helper. It's a healer, right? And it, right. And it has mm-hmm. these unique ways that are, I think, actually 
quite amenable to being used by a lot of people, you know, safe, um, gentle in the ways that you've promoted it, uh, radically different from the sort of horror stories that you hear. And so, um, mm -hmm. I'll just say, oh, I, I was going to just say thank you. But before I do that, uh, uh, could you tell, uh, my audience, our audience, uh, uh, how, what you would like them to check anything you'd like them to check out actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can check out my website, which is salviahealings.com. Um, you can send me an email at Christopher at salviahealings.com. And um, there's an article I wrote on my website about the benefits of low-dose salvia. I also wrote another article about my experience in the Johns Hopkins study. Um, there's a few other podcasts that I've done. Um, but really, you know, I really do enjoy working with people and educating people. So for anyone listening or watching, really feel free to reach out to me at my email address, Christopher at salviahealings.com. Um, we can have a call over Zoom. I can answer any questions you may have because um, many people have specific questions. And um, so I do like, you know, 20 minute free consultation where we can just chat over Zoom and talk about things. And so, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out and um I'm here for you if you need it. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Nice, ni nicely uh, advocated for. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you.